Hello and welcome to a Wednesday, October 25th edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. We are back, back for yet another NBA season, and we're uh, recording this on the night of opening night, so we're going to have to see the uh, the Denver Nuggets ring ceremony and the game that goes after that and see everything else that's happening. But what we are going to be discussing, both myself, your host, Haris Kermani, and my guy, Ramiz, as we go through what is a pretty massive slate. Like, there's no shallow end on this pool. We jump right in. A 12-game slate for us to be able to talk about, and we'll end up focusing on kind of individual players that we really find most intriguing rather than trying to go through each individual game because I do think there's a lot of ways to go through this. But, Ramiz, before we get going, how's it going on your end, bro? What has your summer been bringing for you up until now? Well, uh, honestly, it's just been a summer filled with uh, a bit of soccer uh, and some cricket, of course. Uh, of trying course. to deal with other sports before basketball starts. But, uh, man, I'm ready. I'm poised for the season. I think uh, it is a pretty exciting offseason that we're coming off of. Of course, some big uh, moves that were made for each team. Mm-hmm. And I think that's only going to be a bigger impact on uh, fantasy now. Yeah, no doubt. There's just so many moving pieces every offseason in the NBA, and this was no different this year as well. Lots of changes in what we knew to be rotations last year. And and I'm sure as we start to uh, talk about kind of individual players, we'll have to think about what their roles in the rotation are going to be this year, because there's always those early season surprises in terms of what we expect and uh, where we end up going. So let's uh, let's jump right into that. But before we do, as always, for those who haven't done it yet, get yourself onto sportsethos.com and get yourself subscribed to our DFS Pass, where obviously we have this podcast that's available to you. But beyond that, getting access to all of our amazing content, our fantasy pass, our uh, daily pickums to be able to indicate what props are looking like on a basis, you definitely want to be able to take advantage of all of that. And it's just the best value in fantasy sports. Get yourself over to sportsethos.com and subscribe today. But let's get right into this 12-game slate. Lots and lots of different matchups to be able to consider. And I don't know about you, but in terms of of how I was looking at uh, some uh, some of these guys here, there was just so much pricing that was so odd to me as I was going through. Like it's it's always going to be the case early on in the season. There's that adjustment period that'll come after, which means that there is a lot of value to be found. And where I have been finding a lot of value is in that kind of mid tier section over here. But let's start talking right about the point guards over here. And to be honest, there's only one guy in general, kind of across the slate, that I am willing to spend up on, regardless of position. And I'm going to say it's Trey Young. And I'm going to tell you why. At 9,800, he is going up not only against the worst defense in the league, which is not going to be any better this year, but his percentages last year were so disgusting in this matchup, yet he was still able to put up 49 DFS points a game while shooting sub 40% and 25% from the three-point line, just because of how much volume, how much usage he's going to have. And there is no indication that that is changing whatsoever. If anything, the early outlook and the early kind of understanding of what the season's going to be looks like that this might be the first season that uh, Trey breaks that uh, 30-point game mark, and he could be in the running for scoring leader this year. So let's talk about what Trey could do. And at sub 10,000, I'm super excited about that. But who do you like as far as uh, 
and your point guard is concerned? Uh, well, honestly, I I did look at Trey Young, but I did find a, a bit of a cheaper, expensive point guard compared to Trey Young, and that's Tyrese Halliburton. Mm. Uh, I think he's poised to have a similar season as he did last season, if not a better one. And I think that team really strives on how great Tyrese Halliburton is. I think if he's not on the court, the impact's not there. I mean, the guy can score, he can uh, he can shoot, he can pass. I mean, he's literally the heart and soul of that team, probably in a similar sense as Trey Young is for Atlanta. And in similar case for uh, Trey Young, I think Washington's not a great defensive opponent. I mean, Daniel Gafford can tend to put on some blocks here and there, but Jordan Poole, Kyle Kuzma, uh, I mean, uh, who's their backup center? No, nobody, I guess. Uh, I think Tyrese <laughs> Halliburton definitely feast on that feast on that team. No, you're not wrong. I mean, we saw Halliburton take a huge step last year, and he's you know thoroughly expect to make an even bigger jump this year. Obviously, was a deserved All Star last year. We could potentially see him competing for All NBA this year if he can really put up the kind of numbers and consistency that we were seeing. For me, the worry about him is just how much his percentages were just so sky high last year, especially in this matchup. He was at like 57% from the field on it. So if he can obviously do something like that on a consistent basis uh, against um, against the Washington Wizards, we'll absolutely get to see that. So that is not bad. But going back to where I have been really kind of finding myself laser focused on, it is kind of that mid-tier region, that, you know, that area of... I'm going to say about 4,500 up to 8,000 and kind of moving around in there to see what I like. And there's two names that I'm going to throw out together that really jumped at me because they were around that same price range. First is just keeping it local. Toronto Raptors, Dennis Schroeder sitting at 5,300 is definitely to me one of the early candidates of pricing that I think is going to change pretty quickly. Uh, we know, we know that, uh, the Raptors do want to really focus on Scotty Barnes as a ball handler this year. And I will get to that when we uh, jump into the small forward side of things. But I expect that Schroeder is going to be that guy to really make sure that the offense is running at the gear that it needs to. He's the one that can run the fast break. He's the one that is able to ensure that all the other moving pieces go. And for him to have been named as a starting point guard when people were worrying about whether he's going to be you know, a six-man coming off the bench versus you know Gary Trent coming to start. No, it seems that it's pretty clear Trent is going to be coming off the bench and, and aiming to uh, be a instant offensive weapon there. But it is going to be Dennis Schroeder who's going to run that point alongside with uh, with Scotty Barnes. So I'm excited to see what that looks like as far as his usage his usage is concerned. But even if he's not putting up. 20 points a game or anything like that, which I don't necessarily expect. I do think that he will have a very solid assist season, and we could see him doing some of that early uh, early career Atlanta stuff where he was putting up seven to eight dimes a game, and excited to see good value coming out of that uh, 5,300 price tag, which I expect gets closer to 7,000. Is that the first or second guy? or That's the first guy. That? Yeah, and then the second okay. guy that, uh, that I was going to throw out there is a, a bit of a, an interesting dilemma. I, I We'll have to see how this works out, but with the San Antonio Spurs moving some things around the season. Of all players, Jeremy Sohan has been named as the starting point guard on the San Antonio Spurs, a team that uh, obviously is running with a pretty interesting lineup. Everyone is ex- excited to see what, what <laughs> Wemby is going to end up doing, and, I, and I'm sure that is going to be the focus here. But 
for Wemby to get going, <laughs> there's going to need uh, to be someone to run with him. And Jeremy Sohan, who had his rookie year last year, showed incredible potential for across-the-board statistical stuffing and really ended the season on a pretty strong note, uh, pretty much averaging uh, close to uh, 16-7 and seven for the last, uh, last two months of the season there. And now he's going to add assists to that as well. So it's just a really nice uh, combination of things that I'm liking as far as his uh, stat line is concerned. And I expect that he will do quite well this season. And for him to have an opportunity to start here at 4,700 in a matchup that I actually do think uh, he'll do he'll do quite well in against the Mavericks who aren't known for their defensive prowess. Let's be straight here. You're going to have Luca and Kyrie on the other end as your point guard. And and uh, Sohan is uh, a pretty tall guy to go with that as well. So, well, excited to be able to see that. And those are my uh, mid and value picks. You know, you have to be crazy to make that type of pick. And I'm even crazy to agree with you because he was also on my honorable, honorable mentions list. Uh, because I didn't see that they were starting him at point guard and mm. like perfectly like staying like I mean, Greg Popovich even announced that he is like titled as a point guard. Mm-hmm. And he had a pretty some nice stat lines, of course, in like what twenty to twenty five minutes. So. Is it a stretch to ask him to do more than that when he's getting like 30 minutes? Probably, but I mean, it is the first game and it is against Dallas. And it's going to be interesting to see the, uh, the social experience happen with, uh, of course, all eyes on Wemby. Uh, but I also think like, I like, like you said, right? He's a guy who's going to be able to get multiple st- uh, stats and points, rebounds, assists, probably impact the game in multiple ways. And at 4700, I'm willing, I'm willing to take that risk. And, uh, just like you said, I think it's a bet I would be. Uh, it's a bet I'd be willing to take. Actually, I like it. Yeah, so I, I think uh, we've got a bunch of good point guards to be able to look at. Again, there's so many different ways that you can go ahead and build this, but I think we're both kind of pointing towards that fact that there's just so much mid-tier value here that you probably don't need to uh, absolutely bust your wallet on someone at the top tier of this because there's just opportunity to get six, seven X on some of these mid-tier guys until the pricing potentially goes ahead and adjusts itself. But let's not talk about shooting guards, which I always find kind of interesting because really the best shooting guards are the ones who effectively play as point guards <laughs> as far as fantasy is concerned. And there's a bunch of big moves that have gone ahead and happened in this offseason of guys that uh, were more traditional shooting guards before, but now are in a position to actually go ahead and put up some pretty big numbers. And, if there's one guy that just jumps out at me as one who's going to be putting up big numbers, it's going to be on that Washington team. You got Jordan Poole sitting at 8,100. That is kind of that, you know, mix between what you can consider like the upper tier of value and the lower tier expensive, but he is going to be just absolutely chucking it in this season. He's said it himself. He's feeling very little pressure going into the season. He's in a, he's in a place now where he is the bonafide first option on a team for really the first time and obviously we've seen kind of stretches of that uh, not only with the Golden State Warriors when uh, Steph Curry was out but in general whenever he got the opportunity to have the kind of usage that we saw he was capable of putting up some pretty gaudy numbers and I think 8100 8, is that little mark because he actually has the capability to have a, a 50, 50 point night in terms of DFS points if not actual points I'm sure he'll do that at least once this season so that's my early season takeout there, but 8,100 just puts him in such a great position where I think his floor is just so safe with how much usage he's going to get. And even if he doesn't have a great shooting night, he's going to be on the floor for mid to high 30 minutes for this team. And I expect that we're going to be seeing quite a few gaudy stat lines this season, hopefully starting with this one here. 
Uh, I mean, that's a good shout. Uh, I didn't go for Poole because obviously he does tend to have a, either a great night or a horrible night with no in-between. But you do make great points in terms of his usage being at the highest it's probably ever been. And of course, with Washington, you'd probably title him as a tank commander. And so I think he's definitely got a lot of shots to have an amazing performance and get you your value back. I decided to go a bit more budget on this one in terms of Tyler Harrow at 6,300. Mm. Uh, obviously, big moves were made and he wasn't a part of any of them. So I think he definitely has something to prove probably every season whenever a player does not get traded to the Miami Heat. Mm-hmm. And I think he's coming off a, a healthy summer because he was injured for most of the postseason and he was missed, especially in that finals. And I think Tyler Harrow is going to be needed more than ever, especially with the absence of Gabe Vincent, uh, Max Trues, and Kyle Lowry's age who went up. So I think uh, Tyler Harrow is definitely going to be needed to provide a scoring punch. So I think he kind of is in terms of that Jordan Poole type player, but mm. 2000 cheaper, I would say. Yeah, uh, but Jordan Poole definitely has a usage advantage over him. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think Tyler Hero was a, a very solid option, and the fact that he has that point guard, shooting guard eligibility means you could probably slot him in in a pretty safe spot, and also not in a bad matchup against uh, the Detroit Pistons. Uh, the the other kind of major area that I was looking at, and this is more uh, towards the value side of things. Uh, now we are getting. Again, this is the night before, and we're going to have to see what that looks like, but we're getting early information that uh, Darius Garland is questionable for Wednesday's game with uh, a hamstring, which he could actually find himself unable to go. And if that ends up happening, I'm jumping on Karis LeVert here at 4,900 to be able to go ahead and take on those uh, point guard duties alongside uh, Donovan Mitchell. We saw throughout the season last year, anytime he was in an opportunity where one or both of the uh, of the main backcourt were out, he was a pretty much lock to be able to get you 30 plus as far as uh, DFS points are concerned. So a very solid pick at 4,900. He's going to be starting regardless this season, but uh, for, for him to be able to get uh, that opportunity to be that little bit more involved as far as the, uh, the ball handling side of things are concerned. I do like that pick for me as far as my value tier is concerned. Uh, I got some two guys at value tier, I guess. And hmm. uh, one is, Taylor Horn Tucker at 4,500. Okay. Uh, he's slated to start the game, and he's had some great stat lines so far in the preseason. Of course, preseason is nothing you want to base fantasy NBA season stat lines on, but <laughs> yeah. it's showing that he is getting comfortable in his role of being a kind of a playmaker, and he's been scoring the ball as well. So I think alongside Colin, I believe he's starting alongside Jordan Clarkson, pardon me. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I, most of the playmaking duties will go towards him, especially because he's starting with Lloyd Markinen, John Collins. I'm not sure. If that's the starting lineup, they're going to roll with again. Uh, but it is three big men. So I think most of the playmaking will come down to him. And I think as long as he can keep up just doing all the dirty work for them, similar to kind of what I said about Jeremy Soshan, that if he can provide impact in multiple stat lines, I think he'll be a great pick at 4,500. And an even cheaper option than that is someone who's starting for the Mavericks on the season opener, which is Josh Green. Mm. Uh, I got who's going to be able to feed off Kyrie and Luka Doncic's double teams and just be able to hit that three-point shot, which he's been efficient in the preseason and last season as well. And he's only at price at 3,800. So if you have an appeal towards players like Jordan Poole, like uh, Tyrus Halber and Trey Young, that we players that we mentioned and even more expensive players, Josh Green at 3,800 is a great player who can easily slot in at the small forward spot or the shooting guard spot. And at 3,800, I think he'll be able to get his value back, especially in that type of matchup. Yeah, I agree. I think there is uh, more ball to be able to go around this season for the Dallas Mavericks. 
and uh, I expect that he will be able to hit his value. I think that's a pretty good call as far as value is concerned. And then last but not least, uh, just from a, a mid-tier perspective here, uh, at 7,800, this is very much in the same li- alignment as uh, what I think Jordan Poole is going to do, and that is Mikhail Bridges, who is not only <laughs> what uh, Jordan Poole is going to be, but much, much more efficient as far as his offense is concerned. The only concern I have, because I'll be taking Mikhail most nights at this uh, 7,800 7, price tag, is just the defense that the Cleveland Cavaliers will offer. Obviously, he absolutely loves attacking the rim. Last year, we got to see his free throw rate as a uh, first option with uh, the Brooklyn Nets just go absolutely sky high, but that's not as fun when you're going up against uh, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley on the other side. So that's the only potential concern I have over here. Otherwise, I think this is going to be an absolutely monstrous price tag for uh, Mikhail Bridges because he'll just be able to put up stats upon stats this year. He's going to likely average somewhere in the high 20s as far as points per game is concerned as uh, getting more and more of the opportunity as the bona fide uh, first option on this team. You know, Ben Simmons is obviously coming back uh, on, on the squad as well, but really, all if everything goes right, Ben Simmons is going to be facilitating to be able to get Mikael Bridges going even more. So we'll have to see what that looks like from a uh, day one perspective as far as Benny Boy is concerned, but I have no concerns about what Mikael is going to do this season, and I love him for his price tag. So let's move uh, right on to the small forward side of things. And a bit of a spoiler here, I straight up avoided all the expensive tier. I have three mid-tier guys that I absolutely like over here, and I'll get into them shortly, but we'll start with you. Who are you liking as far as small forwards are concerned, Ramiz? So I got two players, and they're obviously not on the expensive side either, even though obviously Anthony Edwards in this new season is someone I would love to pick, but 9,600 is crazy to me. Uh, but I started with Franz Wagner for the Orlando Magic. I think, uh, first of all, they're going against Houston. And Franz Wagner last season to end off the season was a great pick. I mean, one of my go-to picks continuously because he was priced around this range. And I think if he's going to have another jump, I mean, that'd just be even more amazing because he's a guy who can tend to have such an amazing night. And his floor is also like a really good floor in terms of that. You can get him at 6,100 and he will still be able to perform a decent amount of for you. And depending on, I believe, what Orlando Magic's trajectory is too, I think they want to win games. And I guess starting off with Houston, who isn't really a solid team. I mean, we have a lot of young guys, similar system, I guess, as Orlando in terms of having a mm-hmm. lot of young guys. I think Franz Walker could definitely take uh, the advantage in this game and just provide some playmaking, some scoring, and uh, just do what he usually does in normal games. And then a bit of a cheaper side is another Indiana player, and that's Bruce Brown. Uh, maybe you have him on your maybe you don't. Bruce Brown is the guy who's going to be starting for the Indiana Pacers at the mm-hmm. small forward spot. And if he can just continuously do what he's done for Denver – which might not be a crazy amount, but if he can get you 25 to 20 DK fantasy points, I think at 5,200, that's kind of what you want, right? You want in that range and a guy who's going to guarantee you to get that much. And I think Bruce mm-hmm. Brown is one of those players. Yeah, no, completely fair. I think uh, as a cash play for me, Bruce Brown is absolutely a lock uh, as far as that's concerned. But here I'm thinking, you know, from a a uh, GPP perspective, it's going to be a big scoring night. We're looking at 12 game slates. You want guys who could potentially put up six to seven X, if not more, as far as their value is concerned. And that's where I'm kind of locked in on that kind of 6,000 to 7,000 range where I'm liking a bunch of guys that I'm really excited to be able to take tonight. First and foremost, Zach Levine sitting at 6,800 going up against the Oklahoma City Thunder, a matchup he did incredibly well in last season, averaged about 41 DK points, and that's with him not shooting all that well, but just absolutely living at the free throw line. 
Now, Levine's role is, is pretty well secure. There's not much that's changed as far as Chicago is concerned, and it's really going to be the uh, the three-man show that we've already spoken about kind of number of times with regards to how uh, they end up working. But that being said, for his price tag and for how many shots he's going to end up getting regardless of how things are how things are expected – and with the um, with the pace of the game likely to be something of a little bit more exciting nature, I think he's the most he's the most valuable of the three, you know, of DeRozan, Bucevic, and and Levine on this given night. And I like him for sixty eight hundred. And then keeping with that kind of same range over there, and this is actually going to be a bit of a theme for me because I think Memphis in those first twenty five games with Jaw out is going to be an absolute goldmine for these other players to be able to go ahead and really assert their value. And that is going to be first and foremost, Desmond Bain as small forward sitting at 7,400. This dude is going to be the first option as far as pure shot making is concerned. We got to see a little bit of that kind of late in the season last year where uh, on the games Jaw sat out, he, he averaged about 24, 25 field goal attempts in the, in a game here. And I expect we're going to see a lot of that early on in the season. In general, I expect Bain to have a really monster season anyways, but early on here, 7,400, I that price tag is going to change very quickly. He's going to jump into the 8,000s, if not 9,000s. Get him while you can at 7,400 now. It's going to be a good one. Anyone else on your side as far as uh, small forward is concerned? Otherwise, uh, I have uh, I have one more as well. <laughs> uh, I do have one sleeper pick who I'm mm. going to choose to mention now. That, and I just wanted to wait a bit more games, and that's going to be the Raptor that I'm choosing, which is Scotty Barnes at 7,700. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to check him for this slate, but I do want to see how he develops because he is going to be playing – a bit of point guard, a bit of small forward, because I don't think Dennis Schroeder, Dennis Schroeder is a player who, depending on the game he has, if he goes to the bench, you can probably see Scotty being that backup one, I guess, essentially. Mm-hmm. And Scotty has shown that with the shots that, uh, that are available now with no Fred Van Vliet, I think Scotty's going to take a huge leap. And obviously in this game, it is against Minnesota, so you're going against quality talents and Rudy Gobert. And so it may be a bit difficult to attack the paint, but if, Scotty continuously does what he's been able to do is get to the right places and take advantage of his vertical and being able to get these post hooks off. I think Scotty Barnes could have a great game. Yeah, I agree. And uh, funny enough, Scotty Barnes is who I was going to mention as well. So, hey, works out for me. 6700, I think, against the Minnesota defense is going to be a pretty solid place for him to do well. But let's uh, let's see. I get to be at that game. So, man, I'm excited to go back oh. to uh, the uh, Scotiabank Arena after. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to go to the playoffs last year. So after the play <laughs> Yes, to play in. <laughs> but all right, so that's looking good as far as the small forward side is concerned. And much of that theme continues on for me on the power forward side as well, where uh, first and foremost, the big jump that I have is going to be a guy who gets a little bit of a revenge matchup. I don't even know if he can call it that anymore. He's it's, He's been gone for a little while now. But Christoph Porzingis on his squad with the Boston Celtics, sitting at 7,200. Absolutely slated as a starter on this matchup and likely to be involved in quite a few different, uh, different things as, you know, Al Horford is just getting old and decrepit. I expect that he is going to be having a big season in terms of what Boston is going to need for him to do to be able to go ahead and uh, be as successful as they want to be this year. Uh, Robert Williams, as we know, is kind of sitting uh, in this weird injury situation. We don't necessarily know if, um, if he's going to be able to, uh, one, either, uh, Sorry, Al Horford is what I want to say. Al Horford, we don't know whether Al Horford is going to be uh, fully playing. I know he didn't play in the last uh, preseason game there. Hopefully he's all right for the uh, 
for the first game, but in general, I expect that his role is going to be really uh, quickly cut as far as um, his uh, requirements in terms of minutes per game. All that's going to move over to Porzingis, and at 7,200, he's just far too valuable on the offensive side to uh, not uh, absolutely love that price tag, and a matchup against the Knicks, definitely going to do well at the Garden. Come on now. Uh I'm going to go for a guy who I'm already getting ready to defend because I know what you're about to say is that he's going to get fouled out of the game. And that's Jaron Jackson Jr. Oh, no. Uh, you know, he's going to be playing at center. So against the Pelicans where he's going to be going against Zion Williamson, he's going to be attacking the paint. You know, Valanciunas, I think it would be a great game for him to, you know, get some blocks, get some rebounds because he is going to be playing center unless he decides to go with Xavier Tillman starting at center. Uh, if that's the case, I mean, still, that's a good matchup because he will be guarding Zion. And the only thing that always scares me with Jaron Jackson Jr. is always he is his foul trouble. Mm-hmm. But at 6,600, I think you're willing to take that risk because, like you said, there is no John Moran. People are going to have to step up. So Desmond Bain, he's going to have to be one of those guys, but he can't do it by himself. So whether that's a Jaron Jackson Jr. or whether that's someone else, I do believe it will be Jaron Jackson Jr. or he will get the attempts to do it anyways. And I think at 6,600, I'm willing to take that risk. Yeah, 100%. Jaron Jackson was uh, next on my list as far as Ooh. that was concerned. So, yeah, that you know. It doesn't matter. Not at that price tag. The dude is going to go ahead and not to mention New York isn't really the most, uh, I want to say rim running team out there. They just love to be able to go ahead and sit in the corner. Even bloody Julius Randle just loves chucking them threes. So we know that uh, he's going to get his opportunity. And in general, uh, I think we're really going to see his uh, expanded offensive game continue to grow. To me, Jaron Jackson's just one of my, one of my uh, favorite just, guys in fantasy to take and guys in just real life to be able to watch as well. He's just a very exciting player. So looking forward to uh, being able to take him. And I do like him for that price tag there. And then just finally within that same uh, price tag range, the other one that I'm excited about, and this is more kind of as a season long thing, but I expect that he will make that big leap this year. And that is on the Oklahoma city thunder Jalen Williams sitting at 6,000 over there. Now we saw you know, he got the opportunity to be a consistent starter for the um, for the Thunder last year and really, really showed his offensive development as the season went on. Ended up the, being able to shoot over 35% from three, 52% from the field, and just continued to just pump his volume without uh, taking that hit in efficiency that you would all, often expect when that comes. And last year, we got to see him pretty consistently around that kind of high 6,000, low 7,000 range, and he was consistently dropping mid to high 30s as far as DFS points are concerned. This year, with uh, even less kind of pressure on him, with obviously Chet Holmgren coming in, um, not necessarily as a full-on offensive option, but just yet another body to be able to go ahead and give him the opportunity to be a little freer on on that um, on that outside-inside game that he does have. And I'm excited to be able to uh, take him for 6,000, and I think he's going to be putting up in a position to do 6 to 7 X as far as his value is concerned. Oh, that's interesting. I, I I really like that pick because I do have some expectations for OKC to be a really solid competitive team like they were last season. And Jalen Williams, I mean, he's a great player to pick, especially at 6,000. I decided to go for more of a budget player who, uh, honestly, he's been pretty solid, but he hasn't been anything too great. But he's for 3,500, and that's Jalen Johnson. Uh, obviously, no John Collins for Atlanta, and I think they're starting to deep base. So I think, honestly, mm. Jalen Johnson continuously puts up good performances, which he has shown in preseason that he has gotten better in terms of hitting the corner threes. I think he's a guy who can be willing to take that starting spot from Sadiq Bey if he does become a solid player. And I think at 3,500, uh, you mentioned some great high expensive players. And with those expensive players, you need some budget players. Mm-hmm. And Dylan Johnson is a guy I think at 3,500 could easily slot in. Yeah. 
You're not uh, just uh, sad that Sadiq Bey is going to get replaced? He's not your guy this year? What's going on, Ro? No, he was only my guy. In <laughs> <laughs> nah, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, he actually probably has a better opportunity this year to do something more consistently, but mm-hmm, yeah, for sure. five, five grand a bit much for him. <laughs> but la- yeah. last thing is the center slot itself. And just as you mentioned the fact that you know, we have been talking about a bunch of mid-tier players over here where you're going to be able to fill out a good amount of this lineup. I really do like the value options that we have to start the season as far as the center is concerned. And I'm going to go first and foremost with the Detroit Pistons starting center this year, which is going to be Jalen Duran at 4,800, where, you know, he's absolutely locked in as the initial starter. There's obviously going to be some growing pains that come uh, with him as he, you know, gets this new opportunity that's there, but I'm pretty confident he's going to be a walking double double this season. And regardless of everything else, the floor is just so safe for him at 4,800. He's going to, even though Dwayne Casey is not the greatest as it, as far as it comes to uh, having centers and all going, I do think that this is going to be a bit of a different scenario for him. I expect uh, during to be consistently around 30 minutes a game here, which is going to be more than enough for him to put up the numbers that, uh, that he is, expected to do you know a 15 and 10 season and go ahead and lock him in for six or five to six x this game um damn that was one of my budget budget picks as well because <laughs> i think me and you talked about jordan a lot last season especially towards the end i mean because he was absolutely just just getting some easy double doubles and just i guess with the healthy team it will be i am a bit scared because you do have a bunch of big men i mean i see a steward james wiseman and uh uh, the last one is Marvin Bagley the third, uh, but Monty Williams is a guy who likes consistency. So I think if Jalen Duran is starting center, I think that's a great thing to have, and hopefully he creates a winning environment that Jalen Duran will, I mean, even bring up bigger numbers. But mm-hmm. at forty eight hundred, I think he's such a great pickup. Uh, one guy who I did uh, like as well is Xavier Tillman, another small budget guy. I mean, with Stephen Adams out for a whole season, mm-hmm. Xavier Tillman, whether he starts or comes off the bench, is going to have a huge. Uh, impact from his game because he is the only center on that team uh i guess jaren jackson jr is the secondary center and so i think especially in the matches like this where it's the pelicans who have a zion williamson who have a Jonas valanciunas and off the bench off the bench larry nance and stuff like that i think they're going to need a mobile big like xavier tillman to provide some production and at five thousand, i think that's a pretty good uh, uh chance i'm willing to take yeah, I agree. He was on my list for this as well, and a pretty pretty decent spot for him to be able to start, especially with his ability to spread the floor. So let's see how that, that works out. And yeah, as you said, Memphis is going to continue to be uh, a nice little uh, spot for a good bunch of these mid-tier guys to have some pretty good value. Uh, speaking of mid-tier, though, a couple of a uh, couple of guys to be able to point out. I know you already spoke about Jaron Jackson as the point for as power forward. I had him in the center slot. Same same as far as that's concerned. The other one who I want to be able to talk about here is. One of the guys who did move in the offseason, getting an opportunity now to be in a position where he's probably going to get a lot more usage and coming up against a uh, Clippers team that uh, is a bit undersized as far as the center is concerned outside of Zubat. So you got DeAndre Ayton sitting at 6,400 over here to be able to go ahead and uh, start the season. And look, we've seen the... A bit of a story before when Aiton does get that opportunity to be able to get uh, more field goal attempts. That's plain and simple what he's always lacking. He's just always been in a system in which there's just too many offensive options that have taken away from his opportunities to be able to get that kind of mid-teens as far as field goal attempts are concerned on a regular basis. On the nights that he got those last season, he was consistently in the mid to high 40s as far as uh, DK points are concerned. So I do like him a lot this year on Portland. I expect that we're going to get 
you know, more of an opportunity to be able to see the offensive capabilities that DeAndre Ayton has shown. And then the other aspect is there's quite a few uh, questionable uh, tags that we have sitting on the uh, on the Portland side to be able to start the night off as well. Now, I know they drafted Scoot Henderson. Everyone's excited about what he's going to be able to do. And there is a bit of a logjam as far as the backcourt is concerned, but there's absolutely no logjam on the, on the frontcourt. And I expect that uh, DeAndre Ayton is going to be that kind of pillar that the rest of these guards are going to be able to operate around. And he's going to get a lot more opportunity to be able to get a little bit more kind of invested on the offensive side, especially if he can also get some of his teammates involved, which he has shown the ability to be able to do that uh, in spurts before. He's just never really gotten that uh, gotten that extended run as that guy. So, yep, 6,400, I think there's a lot to like here. Floor is very safe, and he gives you the opportunity to be able to get a 40-plus DK points tonight. So, yep, like him as a mid-tier guy. Uh, a motivated DeAndre Ian is a good DeAndre Ian, man. You, you, you had a good point on that. Uh, I'm going to go with Derek Lively the second at 6,100. No, I'm just joking. I think that's probably so crazy for <laughs> Derek Lively the second and his first NBA game. Uh, but hey, man, maybe it turns it out. But uh, honestly, I, I, I do like Daniel Gafford at, mm-hmm. uh, I believe it's 5,100. Uh, no more Persingas at center. So I think Daniel Gafford too had the free reigns on a, a tanking team where Jordan Poole, Kyle Kuzma all be chucking shots. And guess what? He might be the main rebounder. <laughs> so I think at 5,100, I'm willing to take that. Uh, I, I really like that price for Daniel Gafford. He did have some great performances prior to this season because obviously Porzingis did play that position. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think if he can get back into his bag where he was before Porzingis arrived, I think it'll be a great season for him. Yeah, that's fair. Although he does have Miles Turner to contend with on the other end, so let's see how that uh, how that turns out for him. Gafford's problem has always kind of been he's a bit uh, undersized for his position there, so let's see what that uh, looks like as far as this season's concerned. But that does put a wrap on our first podcast together, Ramiz. I know it's uh, a big season, long season to be able to go ahead and get started, and a 12-game slate is right up the our alley to be able to go ahead and take down. So definitely excited to uh, have uh, those games come back, excited to be able to engage with everyone in the sports ethos world again, and to be able to get your thoughts on where you're looking as far as these first uh, bunch of games are concerned. As always, you can find me on Twitter at HAK underscore devil, where you can talk to me about kind of where your mindset's at. Are you looking at the mid-tier side of things as well? Is that kind of where your uh, points of excitement are going to be? Uh, what are we looking at in terms of kind of where the season is going to be going for some of these players? And Ramiz, where can the good people find you? They can find me at Twitter at two nice. That'll be spelled T O zero underscore nice underscore. And I do want to mention something. There's no thrive fantasy, right? Where can the, the viewers find thrive fantasy now? Yeah, absolutely. So for those who are, you know, with that uh, DFS pass, that, uh, fantasy area that always is going to be that value there for you. If you jump in to where our main man Keith has been putting through these pick'em articles on a daily basis, that is going to be where you can check out our props picks as well. Just an incredible, incredible resource to be able to deal with that. And again, get yourself subscribed, get onto our Discord, and then you'll have the opportunity to be able to kind of break it all down with us as well. So excited to get it all going. And as always, there's only one place to be able to do that, and that is on Sports Ethos. But until our next one, we will see you guys around. Enjoy opening night. We're going to be back on for our next pod together. And, uh, yeah, just super excited to be able to see how the season goes. Have yourselves a great evening.